I mean, what's pro football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PML. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So Who cares about what people think about us. Yeah, I like football, I like football season, and all the things that go with it. Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Pelizzolo back here with Sam Monson, and it's our special. Wednesday show. Remember, we started a third show where we have a PFF favorite on here, and it might be the number one favorite at PFF. It's oh. PFF Mike, Mike Renner. Welcome <laughs> number back. Number one favorite. That's a very high praise. I, I wouldn't say so, but I, thank you. You're you're definitely a big favorite of the of the fans of the ladies after the Bachelorette appearance, right? Yeah, some of them, not my ex. <laughs> didn't didn't love that, huh? <laughs> we'll get into all of that uh, on this show. Are you planning on color coordinating with the guest every week, or is this just yeah, uh, Ian and I wore orange uh-huh. last week, green here. Yeah. And then uh, we'll see who we have next week. Yeah, I'll definitely wear the same color we'll shirt. We'll get the ND on because I'm interviewing Brian Kelly later. So I got to. Oh, that's why you're rocking. Got to make a good impression. <laughs> you're living your dream there because you're just, you know, uh, Golden Homer over here and you're going to be interviewing Brian Kelly and, yeah. and all nervous and everything. That's what I've wanted to do with Mark Brunel. Like I've been, I wanted to rock the Mark Brunel jersey and interview him, but the Lions turned us down. Yeah. They turned us down. Smartly. I mean, you sitting there in his jersey interviewing him would be kind of creepy. If it makes the Lions feel any better, we're not going to talk about the Lions at all. We're just going to talk about the 90s (laughs) Jags. That's all I want. It's not to, like, give any secrets away about Jared Goff or the offense. Yeah. Anyway, we got a a big show here. A lot Mm -hmm. of cuts yesterday, unfortunately. People uh, lose jobs, but it's uh, news around the NFL, so we'll go into that. And then, Mike, uh, before we talk about the podcast rebrand, you know, Mike does all of our draft work over here and obviously has some opinions on the rookies because you evaluated all those guys last draft season. So we'll get into some of those guys. But uh, tell us about Tailgate, formerly two-for-one drafts. You guys went through a whole uh, rebrand. You cut your hair recently. It's a whole new rebrand. For yeah, you. yeah, not super recently. The rebrand was... is just so you can go places. Yeah, and drink, it's just right? to go to Tailgates. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it's more so we could talk about the two-for-one drafts pigeonholed us into the draft and rookies this was the was the double entendre there of the two four drafts uh but now we're talking we'll actually be recapping more nfl talking about more like breakout players year two year three or four guys not limiting us to just kind of that one niche that yeah it's my favorite niche of the nfl that's why i'm do the draft but there's a lot a lot more to talk about during the fall yeah and then this fall how did how did you convince bosses that it's a good idea for you to be on college campuses drinking every week and saying, "Oh no, it's part of, it's part of the show. It's all for tailgate." Well, here. we're literally we've, we're funding it ourselves is what the idea was. Oh, that's we're a good. That's literally, an yeah, it was easy <laughs> enough sell. So we we're just saying we're going to be going to these places trying to promote, uh, you know, PFF. That's generally a pretty good like starting point of PFF. You can almost do whatever you want as long as you're as paying we're funding for it. it. Yeah. yeah. So that's that was Neil was all in once we told him that. Uh, but yeah, we're going to. A lot of schools in the Midwest. Just got back from Illinois, the Nebraska game, electric. Um, it's cool. Beetle yeah, zero, of course yeah. it's electric. Beetle era. Going to Ohio State, Oregon next week. Penn State, Auburn a week after that. Going to Notre Dame, Cincy. Bunch of cool games on the schedule. 
That's great. That's uh, really cool. So if you guys don't already subscribe to uh, Tailgate, search wherever you listen to this podcast, find Tailgate, click that subscribe button. Uh, they're on the YouTube channel, of course, uh, but doing doing some good stuff over there, you and uh, you and Austin. So um, wanted to have you on in part. Now, let's talk some rookies in the preseason. Yes. By the way, before we get into a kickoff 30 still live, right? How long are we keeping the kickoff 30 sale? As long as you guys keep waiting to click that button. Kickoff 30, kickoff 30, yeah. 30% off. My fantasy draft's next Monday. I'm not I'm one of the late. I think that's everyone this year. Yeah. It feels like everyone's waiting to the last minute to get the drafts in. Do you prepare the same way I do? Just log in, <laughs> see the rankings, have them up, <laughs> pff.com. And, I have know. like five guys that I'm like, I'm going to get on my roster. Gotcha. And then at, at any point in the draft, if I see they're coming up on the rankings within like the next round, then I'm like taking them. Then you take them. Yeah. I don't think preparation, like what you do qualifies as preparation. What, what, what do you mean? You don't prepare. You just have a set of just have somewhere PF. and then do the draft. Right, because everybody at the PFF Fantasy guys are doing the work for us. Right. I'm just not sure that qualifies as preparation. Whatever. Whatever it wins. Buying a PFF subscription is preparation. Enough. That is preparation. And you get all the fantasy tools for as little as $7 right now at pff.com. Kick off 30, 30% off any PFF subscription. So let's get into, um, you want to start with Mac Jones? Where do you want to start, Sam? Let's start with Mac Jones. Let's start with Mac Jones. Mac Jones, is this the right call for the Patriots? How good is Mac Jones? 100%. You don't draft. I, ha- I have a take that rookie quarterbacks, especially guys you draft in the first round, guys you're drafting highly to basically be that guy. Unless you literally have a, you know, a top 10 to 12 starter in the NFL that's towards the end, which is, would be why you draft that guy. Like Aaron Rodgers playing behind Brett Favre. Uh, maybe even Patrick Mahomes playing behind Alex Smith. But you start that guy. If, you, if he's you draft felt good enough about him to draft him in the first round you start that guy if he's not going to hurt himself by playing if he's not going to either take unnecessary hits if he's not going to basically develop bad habits by being out there in a football field if he doesn't know the offense if he's trying to change the mechanics that sort of thing if a guy is up to speed with the playbook with basically how to operate the offense even if there will be growing pains you start that guy because that's your future because reps then matter those are then valuable reps so that was mac jones's preseason highest graded quarterback in the preseason like he was very up to speed like there was nothing to him that would suggest that during the regular season things will be moving too fast or he will start to get you know see ghosts quote unquote and especially with the situation they have there with one of the best offense lines in the nfl so that to me it was a no-brainer let's reverse a little bit Mm pre-draft Where were you? What was your take on Mac Jones overall compared with, you know, the other four quarterbacks that everybody saw going in the first round? I thought he was NFL ready. I just thought he was a limited passer. Like, I, I thought he was very cerebral, very quick with the football, got the ball where it needed to go. It was just what's, going, what's it going to look like when, one, he's under more pressure, two, basically doesn't have – the situation right. yet well, it's guys just when it's more difficult because can he go above and beyond or is he just a guy who can operate what's there and take what's there but not like i said go above and beyond and then how much has that changed just from seeing him so far in the preseason it really hasn't that's basically been who he's been like he's taking a lot of his average depth of target something like six and a half yards downfield. he's not really pushing the ball hasn't been asked to but he's obviously going against backups and that sort of thing but I do think you see a lot of the same guy like the comfortability in the pocket the way he's operating the speed with which he's operating all very similar and that's again when you're like that 
start that guy. The the two plays that Mac had that I thought were really telling in that whole development, his touchdown against the Giants just this last week, where he just kind of you know you always talk about eye discipline mm-hmm. and holding safeties. He held a linebacker just for a split second, knew exactly where he was yeah. going up the seam, but he just made sure. Sometimes quarterbacks throw open throws, and it's like, oh, it's open, and you don't understand. Like sometimes it's just where they're keeping their eyes and yeah. what where they are. Kept kept the lane open for the throw, and then he had a third and long against the Eagles early on. He pump faked the dig route open yep. to convert it, and that was like you know, Brady did that in the AFC Championship a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Little subtle things like that in his rookie season, I think, really are telling and stand out. Yes. And I'm, and again, I'm wondering if we just me included, do we un- overrate the fact that he doesn't do Justin Fields and even Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson type of stuff from a mobility standpoint and all the p- pocket nuance stuff that he's so good at ended up becoming underrated for Mac Jones? I think it did. Uh, I think that's a very good shout. And it's why everyone after Mac Jones got named the starter wanted to say, oh, Bill Belichick's willing to do it. Why isn't Matt Nagy? Well, it's because, I mean, Justin Fields isn't doing those things that you just talked right. about. He is locking on to first reads and unwilling to come off of them in time and not manipulating safeties like not holding his eyes over the middle of the field before he gets to his guy he's taking the snap and looking right at his first read the whole time staring him down like he's doing things that will get him like i said will basically lead to bad habits if he is starting more already in the nfl so i don't think i would start justin fields i would start andy dalton until Justin fields is a little more comfortable in that offense so i don't think it's straight corollary but those things I think will come like maybe not everyone's going to be excellent at that at those not everyone's gonna be Drew Brees with the way you can manipulate your eyes Mac Jones is way ahead of the curve in that regard but I think in time Justin Fields some of the other guys in this class will develop that it feels like Mac Jones got kind of screwed all the way along because of what he was being compared to so initially he's going against sort of four different prospects, all of whom have some kind of physical trait that's way ahead of where he is, whether mm-hmm. it's freaky athleticism um, like Trey Lance and Justin Fields, whether it's a crazy arm like Zach Wilson, like every one of these guys just had something that made dad bod Mac Jones look a little bit comedy. Yeah. The other thing I think that screwed him was when the 49ers made that trade up to three, because now the conversation, and, and it started to leak that, hey, Mac Jones is, is in play at number three, because now it just became everybody had to rail against the idea that he was worth number three. Yeah. Whereas even like right before that, people were saying Carolina at eight was becoming his floor. Like he was going to go higher than people were expecting. But as soon as like number three became involved, everybody started like focusing on why that wasn't that's why he didn't belong there that's the thing about the draft that's so that i try to try not to take into account but it's impossible not to your your human human nature is expectations versus reality if people are calling him a second rounder we'd be banging the table being like no mac jones is way better than that that sort of thing if people are calling him the number one overall pick we're like okay no mac jones isn't like you have to talk about his negatives if a guy is number one overall pick where it's it was kind of like with Devontae smith too if everyone's just like, yeah, Devontae Smith's very good, maybe like a middle of the first round kind of guy. But he's being compared to Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle. So you gotta talk about the negatives there, whereas you can't celebrate the fact that this guy's one of the most talented route runners. I think that's the same thing with Mac Jones. Like we can say that, yeah, he's v- well worth a top 10, top 15 pick. But when you're talking about number three overall with this quarterback class, it's like maybe not as much. Yeah. I thought Justin Fields got hurt by what you're saying was the the sum of everybody else's parts, right? Because Fields has a very good arm, but uh, Trey Lance has a better arm. Probably, Trevor yeah. Lawrence has a better arm. Justin Fields is really mobile and can run. Trey Lance is a better oh, yeah. 
raw copyright. runner, right? Uh, Trevor Lawrence is probably just a better passer all around than Justin Fields. Mac Jones is the best processor. And, like, I don't think Justin Fields is the best at anything in particular, but he's probably second or third in, in almost all everything, right, like yeah. the all-around package of Justin Fields. So bottom line, I mean, I think everybody's raving about what they saw from all five first-round rookies. Yeah. Are you in the same boat? I mean, has anything really changed in your opinion of those guys? I don't think anything's really changed. I was saying I would be surprised if Lance or Field starts right away, uh, just given their situations. And again, it's like Field is because if Fields had the Patriots offensive line, I'd be saying, yeah, go ahead and start Fields. Right. But he doesn't. He's going to have the worst tackle group maybe in the NFL. You have to take that into account where it's That's like that guy's, go, yeah, that guy's going to get hurt playing a lot of the stuff like, in preseason. And I saw you know Nate Tice, uh, what is he, the Athletic um, hmm. Football Podcast, he was saying that he doesn't believe that the criticism that Trey Lance is holding onto the ball too long is a fair one, and was sort of pointing out a lot of Lance the good field, things. Fields, he said Fields, sorry, yeah. um, and was a lot, and was pointing at a lot of the good things that he's doing late in the play, mm-hmm. which are fair. But I think just the number involved is important. Like Trey Lance or Justin Fields is holding onto the ball at a rate now that would be the second longest we have ever seen a quarterback. The only quarterback that's held onto the ball on average over a season longer is Tim Tebow. Yeah. That is an important number, particularly when you're talking about an offensive line that could but be as bad. They were running like a triple option with Tebow. Right. But particularly when you're talking about an offensive line that could be as bad as Chicago's. Like it doesn't matter if you're doing a lot of good things late in the play. That number is so high that you are going to be causing problems. So I think there's two different things at play there. I, I agree <laughs> with his take that he's not throwing like a concept late. Like a dig route, he's hitting it on time if it's open, right. when it's open. But the thing is, he's seeing a non-open dig route and then sticking on it, hoping yeah. that it yeah, gets yeah, open yeah. is right. the problem there. So then he's br- inviting more pressure. Like that's that's sort of the like guys who throw late to timing sort of throws. That's what, you would worry about that more long-term prospects like that throwing with anticipation, throwing that way is something that. A lot, some quarterbacks don't have, and then you're kind of screwed at the NFL level. I don't think he's screwed at the NFL level. I just do think that he needs to get off reads yeah. faster. And that's something that, again, will come with more mastery of the offense with more talent around him and that sort of thing. But that, even if he is doing a lot of good things, you know, when he's holding mm-hmm. on to the ball long, just the, the sheer length of time right now that he's holding on to it is going to be a problem yes, yes. when you get into live games and you're dealing with Aaron Donald. Like if you give Aaron Donald 3.6 seconds every play, he will get pressure 25 times in the game. Like that is the length of time that Aaron Donald needs to get pressure every snap. Well, and even just him breaking the pocket and whatnot, your second string edge rushers are not the guys running four fives, four right. sixes for the most part. Those but are, even if he's good at doing that, it, yeah. Um, go ahead. Sorry. I, I, I would say like he'll get chased down more yeah. outside the pocket than he has in the preseason. Here's what I think the bottom line is with Fields, right? Could he play right now? And what you were saying, if an if you have a, an open route, he could throw it on time. Yeah, you can do that. And then maybe he's not getting to his second reads and doing that efficiently, getting you know moving through quickly. Let's say that's a weakness right now, mm-hmm. but he's making up for it with the outside the pocket plays, which have been very impressive this preseason. I I always knew he had it, but he looks mm-hmm. very comfortable doing that. Backups or not, right? Could he go out there and have success hitting first read throws that are open and making some spectacular outside the pocket plays? Yes, but I think the point is. It's all about his. It's it's about Fields' development. It should not be about how many wins do the Chicago Bears have in the first half of the season. It's about his development. And if you can, if there's a specific part of his game that he can get better, that will take time. You maximize that. 
And that's where Fields is right now. The problem is, is that it will be about Chicago's record in the first five games of the season. Like, Fields is going to get on the field. I've said this to you before. It depends on how Andy Dalton is playing. And all the reasons we are... And I hate it. And yeah, I hate it so much. But a lot of the reasons we're reticent to put Fields out there right away, the bad offensive line, the fact that, you know, he's not necessarily going to get helped out by everything around him, that's... A lot of that is still the case for Andy Dalton. Now, he can mitigate some of it by throwing better with anticipation and working quicker within the offense but if that line sucks Andy Dalton's going to get buried under pressure Andy Dalton's going to play badly they're going to lose a bunch of games and it's going to be really hard for those guys to keep fields like it's already like an open revolt in the media and the fan base that fields isn't starting week one who cares it doesn't matter it doesn't matter you just make the right decision for justin fields who cares what people are writing (laughs) if they suck for the first few weeks there's no way they're going to be able to keep him on the bench i think though my take is that nagy's gonna keep him on the bench all year or at least a good portion portion of the year and as a job saving measure because he'll say look at what happened in kansas city what i did in kansas city with patrick mahomes had him on the bench all year. Give me another year, and Justin Fields will be great. Or I think that is he, what I think. I, is, he might try that, and do that. I would force his hand at that point. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. He might try and do that, but I think that would actually get him fired rather than save his job. Yeah, I, I don't think there's the, the sad thing is I just don't think you kind of have lame duck GM head coach because you're at one in a tough division. Two, you lost just pieces. There's no real upgraded spot on that yeah. roster. Like you're. It's and not going to be a few great. major downgrades. Like yeah. they got rid of a decent starting caliber left tackle. Cornerbacks. Don't necessarily have one. Have no yeah. cornerbacks because they have to cut them all for cap reasons. So it just, you, you probably shouldn't have hung out to your head coach and GM at that point. That's, that's, a, Nessie, that's a different issue. Before we get into the rest of the rookies, got to give a shout out to our friends over at Fantrax. Fantrax is free. Fantasy Football League Manager is the most customizable, easy to use, and feature rich platform in the entire industry. PFF is gearing up to play our leagues on Fantrax this season. They feature multi-team trades, bonus points for touchdowns of different yardage. If you're coming from another site, it's not a problem. Fantrax can import any of your current leagues completely free. Create a free account right now using promo code PFF at Fantrax.com slash PFF. Get a chance to win a trip to any regular season game this year for you and your entire league, plus $6,000. Imagine what you can do with $6,000 on your tailgate trip here. Mike, you go to an NFL game. Uh, It's promo code PFF, Fantrax.com slash PFF. All right, we've discussed the quarterbacks a ton. By the way, uh, Sam and I have a full Mac Jones, Cam Newton breakdown again on the PFF Daily today. (laughs) Yes, we talked about them Monday, but, you know, we needed to uh, correct some things. Everything, yeah. Pretty much everything. Uh Um, What other rookies stood out to you, Renner? I I do think we always come back to, hey, this looks exactly like the guy I saw last year. So how many of those guys looked like the guy you saw last year? Did anybody surprise you for better, for worse? And, uh, you know, what'd you see this preseason? I think there were two, the two biggest surprises. I'll give one in a positive, one in a negative. And it's not the guy that looked like I saw last year or the guy I looked like I saw two years ago. And it was Joe Tryon, the Bucks defensive end. Because... I don't know what he did over the course of the last two years, but he looks... It worked. <laughs> he looks like a different physical specimen, like athletically, explosively, different than what we saw on tape at Washington. And now, when we interviewed him and Levi and Wuzurike for the podcast, uh, when it was formerly two-point drafts, they are like, yeah, Joe Tryon has like a personal chef now, is just training all day, every day. Like he's actually looks, is a different dude. And we're like, okay, yeah, everyone says that. But yeah, Joe Tryon actually looks like a different dude. 79.4 pass rushing grade and hell was like running with the ones mostly for Tampa Bay. Now is he going to be, you know, elite day one Von Miller? I don't 
I don't think that's who he necessarily is, but the guys who are the kind of the elite edge defenders in the NFL look the way Joe Tryon looks. He's just got that length and pop in his hands yeah. and combined with the burst. I mean, it, it really is this this total package. How much of that do you think, though, is the fact that if he had played football last year, we would have seen that development? Yes. And instead of, you know, so that that's was the, the tricky part of evaluating last year with the opt-outs. That's the thing. Any GM in the NFL, if they saw Joe Tryon on tape this preseason, he's not less than 32. You know, yeah. he's not lasting past right. 15. Like that's We just didn't get to see it. And a lot of guys got screwed by opting out. Uh, and I think he's probably would qualify as one of, one of them because you don't see what he just put on tape this year as a rookie and think, oh, yeah, I'll pass on him for, I don't even know, any of the guys drafted in the mid-20s. I mean, a lot of people, even when they when the Bucks selected him, it was deemed as a reach by a lot of people. Like it's He went at 32, which – you know, we're saying based off what we're seeing in preseason would have been like an absolute steal, hmm. but it was seen not just as as uh, a, not a steal, but it was like a massive reach given what we'd seen from him so far. Oh well, yeah, everyone's kind of like, yeah, we'll take him on day two because we just right. don't know. Like that unknown was for a lot of guys. I think the guys who were already playing elite football, the you know, Jamar Chase of the world, the Mike Parsons of the world, it didn't matter if they opted out. We'd seen it. Joe Tryon hadn't really played elite football, so that's why. At 32, they had they were in that unique situation with that roster to yeah. take a hail mary shot, Tampa Bay, and they obviously it looks like they hit on one. I mean, he could immediately be their third edge defender right now with Shaq Barrett, yeah. uh, with JPP, and get creative with that trio, Vita Vea, and you know a couple of the other guys that they have there. Um, the opt out situation, I, I saw you tweet about the opt outs before. Do you think there's something to the Gregory Rousseaus and Joe Tryons of the world looking a little bit better? than their counterpart so the guys that are attacking on the defensive line mm -hmm. more athletic driven type of position rather than the guys that need just technique man. like a panay sewell jamar chase you mm -hmm. know your technique just catching the ball apparently he wasn't <laughs> wasn't working on that the last year or so i'm trying to figure out if there's any sort of trend i mean micah parsons is looking good is it the reactive i, I don't know reactive versus aggressive positions um i don't know if there's any sort of trend i do think though that we almost kind of underrated how looking good early on in your career defensive line like you don't you don't get worse basically along defensive line in college you, you keep getting better you keep getting more explosive stronger whatever and that's such a physically physically intensive position that like the last time you saw him play football was not nearly as good as they were going to be today yeah so there, there might be something to the idea that like if you're playing a position like the defensive line and you suddenly have like a year open up to just train yeah like how much is that going to help a wide receiver right okay you mm -hmm. can get incrementally a little bit faster a little bit stronger but that's it's important but it's not the difference between being successful and not i mean look at a guy like Devonte smith right guy weighs 166 pounds and it doesn't matter yeah. whereas if you're a defensive lineman and you're able to put on 20 pounds of bulk and like stay get way stronger way faster like that's making a massive material difference in how often you're able to beat a tackle yeah because it is like difficult to put on actual actually physically developed during the course of a season right. when you are taking hits and whatnot. And a lot of a lot of like programs, a lot of guys we've talked to in the pre-draft process say like during the season, it's scheme. You're not you're not skill developing. Skill developing is off season. So that was like five months of the season. It's just execute XYZ scheme. And yeah, you're getting good reps in terms of like uh, you know, taking on blocks and whatnot. But you can do that on your own while also developing physically, while also actually practicing, you know, pass rushing moves, other things that you wouldn't do in a practice setting. Yeah, instead of your body getting beat up 
the entire yeah. fall too. You're building it yeah, up. Yeah, you're going the other way, right? Mm-hmm. So that is it was it was an interesting dynamic added last year. What about on the negative side? Who'd you say was? I mean, Penny Stool yeah. looked awful. It was a sugar coating. He looked terrible, <laughs> yeah. and it was switching sides. His it just looks very uncomfortable, and you could probably tell that he was. I mean, he opted out and probably took only left tackle pass sets for the say, last can you imagine if he spent the last year and a half probably did. working on his craft at left tackle but you get drafted said he would I mean, immediately he claimed go, flip the other side he claimed he was taking right tackle snaps i mean he would have needed to be all the rumors were that the bengals were wanted him and the bengals have jonah williams and they probably would yeah. have kept panay on the right but he did not look like he had taken any right tackle snaps i'll just say that or if he did did not care to develop that aspect <laughs> because he just looks very uncomfortable and he's not even getting to the depth like he, he was he looks like he's short setting short on setting and everything, everything yes. yeah it was taking guys into the quarterback's lap without realizing he was taking guys in the quarterback's lap i know it takes time but he does he physically looks like he is like counting his steps like um brandon cook sometimes looks like that when he runs routes <laughs> like he's like very technical oh, there's a 12 yard out i need you know six steps or whatever mm-hmm. the you know that's what Penesu looks like. He is like thinking about every single yeah. step. I don't know when you break out of that. I, I assume he can. He's talented, but when do you break out of that? What uh, Mitchell Schwartz said: three months of reps to really feel comfortable. So, what we got? Two more months, <laughs> and that's assuming what? you know that's a standard thing. There's got to be yeah. guys that just don't do that. You Some know, are better just, than others. At just it. can't mm-hmm. flip sides like. You know, I'm one of the most right-handed people, and I can't do anything with my left hand. There have got to be people that are just like one side. Yeah, uh, I can work fine on the left. If you want me to switch to the right, it's going to take me like two years mm-hmm. to get this rewired. Yeah. Here's me overreacting to the stuff that I hate, which is you know a couple tweets. But uh-huh. everybody's like, "Oh, why would you ever draft a Panay Sewell in the top uh, seven and switch positions?" Right. So, I, how how much do we even overreact to that? Did the Lions make the wrong move in either drafting him? Or moving him rather than, you know, Taylor Decker, who's been in the league for six years. I had a dumb galaxy brain take that you almost want him to suck this year if you know he's going to be good in year two because you want to suck this year if you're the Lions. <laughs> like, I, year one didn't matter for the Lions draft pick. Yeah, they weren't going to be good. I wonder so if you take the most talent. I do wonder if the changing sides thing is the kind of thing that you can discern from, you know, when you do individual workouts or whatever, right? Like, you random team goes and works out Panay Sewell before the draft. Okay, this year was weird because of COVID and mm-hmm. whatever, but in a normal season, you go and work out an offensive tackle, and generally you're sort of thinking, I mean, what do you get out of that? Like, you can, you know, you talk to the guy anyway, mm-hmm. but what are you getting out of uh, an offensive tackle working out? But if you could actually, you know, go and basically put him through a battery of tests at right tackle and actually yeah. get a feel for how he's moving – I mean, that could potentially change your idea. Like, oh, maybe we don't want to move this guy to the right side. This does not look anything like the way it looks when he's on the left side. Yeah. And that's the thing that we will never have at PFF, sadly. Those, yeah, But that you should, as an NFL evaluator, do. Like, you should be doing that. How how concerned are you with Jamar Chase's stuff? I mean, a little. Drops. Because it's – there is something mentally – it's not – it's not, you don't just drop four balls in a row. Particularly one Talentless. that just like hits you in the face. Yeah, it's not. It's it's the yips, but it's also it's pre, none of them have mattered yet. You know? Yeah. If if it's happening, I'm just trying to think of the amount of guys that have actually failed because of drops. It's not like, many. Not like Braylon Edwards, maybe. Yeah. 
Greg Little. There's not a lot who have just like they couldn't. They were catch talented. The ball they so did bad. other Troy stuff Williamson. well, but they just it's, literally couldn't drop the ball at a high enough yeah, rate. Couldn't catch the ball. Troy Williamson. Yeah. So there's it's not a lot. It's a rare case, and. And you get given, drop rate in college. You also get given a lot of time. If that's the reason yeah. you're failing, you have a lot of years to prove that yeah. that is the reason you're going to fail. I mean, even Troy Williamson, who's one of the worst, you know, drop uh, type receivers ever, because that dude ran so fast and could get open deep mm. at at will, got given a couple of years to prove that. Okay, you're give me gonna, all the fast guys. You're just never gonna like go get the LASIK. Mm. Yeah, prove that we'll do everything, and then eventually it's like, okay, we're we're just never salvaging this guy. Yeah. Quick break to tell you about our friends over at DraftKings because, of course, the NFL is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for Week One. You bet just one dollar on any NFL game during the first week of the season and receive two hundred dollars in free bets instantly, no matter what. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard right, DraftKings is giving all new players two hundred dollars in free bets instantly. When all you have to do is place a bet of $1 or more on a week one game. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now and check out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts. Plus, you can make every game a big game with same game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code PFF over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Free $200 in free bets for a limited time only. An official sports betting partner of the NFL. That is DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, Mike? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or 1-800-9-WITH-IT if you happen to be in Indiana. Oof, just looking it up. Braylon Edwards had 19 drops one year on 74 catch. That's brutal, man. <laughs> oh, my That's God. That's rough. That but, like, really how rough. long How long was he in the league? And he was still in the league for six, seven years. Yeah. Like so he hung on he had for a 1,200 long time yard year because also. he was physically an impressive receiver, could get open, could moss people at the catch point sometimes. And then. And incompletion is bad. It's, it's not going to break your team. And if you're good at getting open and catching other passes, you can offset the drops. Yeah. That's that's the bottom line. Like you don't want a guy to drop the pass, but you have. But there is a way to offset it by being good at everything else. Yeah, but I think in a way they're becoming more important as offenses, passing offenses become more efficient because you are banking on a third and six target being mm -hmm. caught, and if the guy's dropping that, those are ending drives. Some are worse than Whereas others, of course. In yes. in the past, depth of targets for wide receivers were deeper down the field. And it's like okay, you only need to catch fifty percent of these because we're giving you like yeah. a fifteen yard target every time. All we need you to do is catch one out of two and we're moving the chains and everything's good. Now it's like, well, this is a third and two play. If you drop this, the drive's done. Like you we're banking in you catching this. It's an extended handoff. It's all the stuff you hear talked about. Like the level of efficiency is higher. So the your requirement of just dropping passes that hit you in the hands is is higher than it used to be. Do you have any good uh any any other good preseason takes? Any any anything in the preseason that has changed your perception? either of players or teams around the NFL? Perception. I will say Micah Parsons looks like he's about to be like a top three linebacker in the NFL. Yeah. He looks incredible. Um, yeah, actually, the other interesting one, Malik McDowell is back. Yeah. That yes. one's wild to me. So four years, 2017 draft. So that's four years out of the NFL. Didn't play it down until – still hasn't played a regular season down in the NFL. Had the ATV accident, got in a – got arrested for – Yeah, he was whatever, a what, second-round pick. Uh, yeah, he was top of the second round, 21st player in PFS draft board that year. Very talented, obvious off-field issues, but like he looks, he looked like one of the best 
maybe one of the best DTs in the NFL's preseason. Looks like an app, like a guy who should be starting. Yeah, right now in the NFL. When he was at Michigan State, um, he his uh, DeForest Buckner got drafted. I think I think it was a year directly before him. So I made a DeForest Buckner. Like he had a chance to make yeah. a DeForest Buckner type of leap his last year at Michigan State. He didn't quite get there, but it was that type of length. And athleticism, I think it was he had that he had the two incredible reps against McGlinchey, McGlinchey. and I think against awesome. um, Ryan Ramchak. Oh, was it right? Oh, yeah. Because yeah, Malik Malik McDowell at his six foot seven frame, Michigan State would put him on the edge, and he would win one on one against two NFL caliber tackles. Of course, the great Mike McGlinchey, you know, closing in on our age here, almost forty, and uh, and Ryan Ramchak. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, this this guy has it all. But to your point, it was all off field stuff that you know kept him out and good on the Browns man I mean that's why I would those are the types of high upside plays again assuming it's not just like a character issue that you don't necessarily want but like high upside plays that pay off that's why teams keep giving chances to those guys because every now and again you're going to hit on one and when you do it makes like it's a difference that you can't you can't offset with anything it's like hitting on a low round draft pick that becomes amazing or you know those are massive material differences to your team because you're paying this guy almost nothing it's a throwaway contract and he hits out of nowhere they're uneven bets as uh dr eager likes to say all the time right it's low risk with with an incredible payout uh do you do any victory lapping this uh preseason do you confirm i don't your, do that no i confirm your priors i've rather, learned i've learned but look at us in our old age all learning <laughs> uh the one victory lap i'll take is that the july and Tavai pick getting cut after two years Lions second round know. linebacker who was I didn't even didn't even make our draft board I don't think no he didn't 43rd overall and at the time I was I did the I remember doing the analysis of that pick for a different linebacker because I didn't it was I did the analysis like it was Sion Takitaki that just got picked because I hadn't because like July Tavai was not even on the radar to go that early Sion Takitaki kind of was he was ended up going around later and I just like messed it up in my head. I'm like, wait, it was actually Jelani. Like, like about an hour later, I'm like, wait, it was actually Jelani Tavai, the Hawaii linebacker, who was I watched and was like, he's the guy's not an NFL linebacker. And well, apparently, two years later, Ryan's right now. now agree with us. So, yeah. Sometimes those, uh, sometimes those picks sneak through. Yeah, uh, Quiddy Pay had a only 32 snaps, but man, he showed he it's showed pretty- all of his stuff from yeah. what he had at Michigan, the explosiveness and. Colts really need him. Yeah. Not to play like 94 grade, but. We, we've talked about guys who look different physically once they get to the NFL in terms of like, oh man, he looks so athletic in college. Why does he not look yeah. whatever? Or like Joe Burrow last year. Why does his arm look really shit now in the NFL when like he didn't think it was that big of a deal in college? Quiddy Pay still looks like an absolute freak. It was freak at Michigan, number one Bruce Feldman's freaks list. That has translated to the NFL. He just, to be as quick as he is at that size and then still be able to like bull rush you and play with power is wild he's going to be yeah it's the fact that he's already translating this early and now it's against backups whatever you face backup tackles in the nfl too and not everyone dominates them a couple of your other favorites that that played well uh, andre cisco from oh, yeah. uh, from cisco. the jags love him i think so safety making some plays you watch his tape at syracuse and like I don't, I just don't think he cared to to play. Like it's, I don't say I don't think he cared, but like there would be like a run, and he's a deep safety, and it's just like you could see him praying that it's like don't break through the second level, like don't break through the second level. I don't want to have to tackle. 
But now in the NFL, you know, the motivation's a little different. He's in there blowing up blocks. He's in the he's had a 76.5 run defense grade, which was not what he did at Syracuse whatsoever. Like he's actually playing physical and he always had unique physical ability, ran like the four threes he moved prior to yeah. Really well. Ridiculous range. Yeah. But was just kind of roller coaster tape. I, I think he's gonna be very good though. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, he flew around the field, as I said, just not always to the right places at Syracuse. So yeah. those guys are that's a Darnell Savage type of uh trait, the mm-hmm. Packers safety who's just you know, could can make some incredible plays, but you know, the the uh geometry sometimes is off. The uh the angles, right? Yeah. How about my guy Elijah Molden with the He looks so good with the Titans. I, the Titans might actually I was down in their defense after they obviously cut both starting cornerbacks because it's difficult to replace. But Molden looks like immediately impact slot. Imani Hooker looked very good this preseason and more of the box safety where you have Bayard as your deep safety. And I think they could kind of mishmash this together to be maybe even better defense than they were last year because obviously injuries last year. Yeah, and the defense wasn't that great. Like it, yeah, It's it still concerning when you cut two viable <laughs> starting caliber players, but like that group was not was not playing particularly well and there's always a reasonable chance that they can patch it together i'm really intrigued by you know if if one of fulton or caleb farley emerges i mean yeah. farley is such a he's that classic sort of just the ceiling of what he could achieve if he puts it together is insane but mm-hmm. it's probably going to take a little time you know he's such a physically gifted guy even when you see him like in preseason. Like he get he got torched on a double move and ran the guy down by the time the ball arrived. It, it, his ability to do that is maybe better than anybody I've ever seen. Yeah, he is huge for a cornerback too. Yeah, I'm not going to put you on the spot for names or anything here, but the 2020 draft class had a had a, several guys obviously who didn't get to play in the preseason, maybe didn't get a ton of regular season time. I'm calling them the super rookies here. <laughs> Sam's yeah. waiting for me. The super rookies, Jordan right? Love. Just like the super season, uh, super seniors in college. Um, Austin doesn't like that, by the way. He wouldn't let me use it as a title. He doesn't like super no. super rookies? Wouldn't do it. I mean, it's because, you know, the SEO is not strong on super rookies because I'm the only one who's used it. <laughs> well, you want to get that rookie keyword in there. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. rookie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I thought he'd point. love it, but he, he wasn't having any of it. No. Super threw it all off. Do you think that class has a chance? Like, is this going to be a unique NFL season in that there are some guys that we just don't even know? We can't anticipate they're going to contribute, but they will this year. Because they're in year two of their development, they've been sitting there just getting their practice reps, and all of a sudden we've got some new contributors from the 2020 draft class. I would be interesting to see who. I mean, there will be some. There all like always is. Like, what names would be like Daryl Taylor, maybe Marlon Davidson, guys like that who couple edges, miss, Seahawks, miss their hole. Yeah, so yeah. miss their hole rookie season. Maybe Josh Uchi. It's also guys that were like you know forced into action a little bit, and you're sort of thinking, well. I did they really have, you know, that much of an opportunity? The, the, the fact that they missed the preseason last year was clearly damaging to their ability to, mm-hmm. you know, succeed right off, right out of the gate. It's a guy like yeah. Josh Uchi, I think, is, is a good example, right? Crazy talented, crazy athletic um, because of the way he was – like, A, sample size, and B, how he was played at Michigan. It's like the chances of him coming in and being a dominant rookie right away are probably minimal. That's a dude who could have used 100 snaps in preseason – to you know to ease into the nfl never got it now this preseason josh uche looks like he could be like a real player he's the kind of guy i think for whom missing a a, the rookie preseason was probably a big deal the browns have such a fascinating 
group of players that they brought in, even beyond Malik McDowell. Um, Richard LeCount, late round safety, graded really well for them this preseason. Their their entire draft seemed like this mix of like Anthony Schwartz with speed, and uh, and like a Richard LeCount who didn't yeah didn't run well, but then all of a sudden you know was was really really productive. What do you think of the Browns just overall their a lot of their moves and what they've what they've been doing? I mean their defense it looks it may be most upgraded unit in the NFL. Like with what they, they got, JOK flying around in yeah. preseason too. And there's so much awesome. to it. You got a lot of guys coming back in that secondary, um, and obviously yeah, and Jadavion Clowney and Malik McDowell, who we just talked about, like and Jordan Elliott going to year two. He looked good this preseason. The, D, the third round DT, super so, rookie Jordan super Elliott, rookie. yeah, right there. There's they like there's no reason they shouldn't be up there with the Bills and Chiefs, other than whatever Baker Mayfield does when Odo Beckham's on the field which is not played good football. <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, the three the three reasons are, one, that. The Odell Beckham-Baker Mayfield connection, for whatever reason, has not yet been useful. Yeah. And in fact, if anything, it's been detrimental. Two, they're the Browns. And there is just this lingering 20-year thing of Fair. we know it always falls to pieces when it – like if you if they were just a white-label team and you had this roster, you'd be like, this is one of the best two, three teams in the NFL without question but suddenly you put the browns branding on it you're like ooh, let's just yeah. let's just wait till we see it before we buy in and then three as great as that defense looks on paper just the volume of new the volume of, of things being brought in and assembled at one it's probably going to take some time to gel even if they all hit like even if all of those guys work out for them it's probably not going to be for the first few weeks it's going to take some time to bet in you know like when the Patriots brought in Stephon Gilmore and it's like well unquestionably that's going to be good but for the first like six weeks it was a busted coverage every every snap or every week people forget that I mean the Patriots did try to play multiple schemes with Gilmore and until they went just pure man he was he was out of place for yeah a while. and it wasn't necessarily always him but there was a busted coverage at the heart of that defense every single week for the first like six weeks of him being there and then eventually they got it all on the same page like the people are asking about Gregory Rousseau they don't they don't think yeah. we talk about Rousseau enough yeah. I was actually one of the guys who was telling you to move him down the draft board for a while because we just don't because there's just not enough information mm -hmm. to, to feel great about him he's also one of the guys I said much like Tryon if he had played football last year you'd have more evidence and he probably yeah. would have been really good at Miami what do you think of Rousseau so far yeah so he's still I think every single one of his pressures was still the exact same move. Like he wasn't, it wasn't nuanced. It wasn't him winning the edge. It was him going to the long arm or two hand bull rush. And then just kind of him being too long and powerful. And he's not going up against good tackles versus, you know, going up against Penny Sewell. Penny Sewell, you know, <laughs> yeah, guy right. is trash on the Penny right Sewell side. Sewell and uh, whoever Chicago was thrown out against him. I'm trying to think. I can't remember who it was, but like that, it was one move. And once you get to the regular season, it's going to take more than that. So I, I, I'm not as like, oh, we fucked up about Rousseau as I would be about Joe Tryon right now. Like, he looks solid, but not otherworldly just yet. Yeah, I mean, and Rousseau as the PFF grades show, too. I mean, pass rush was solid. Run defense grade was not great. Mm -hmm. I, I think either way, he, he probably joins the rotation. Yeah. And, and when it comes to him and Tryon, both – I keep using – crazy length and just tough to prepare for if you're a tackle they are just tough body types to prepare for mm -hmm. and they they bring a good change of pace compared to everything else they have there 
Um, in addition to your little uh, tailgate tour here for the for the podcast, what else are you looking forward to? College football starts for real this season, week one. Yeah. What are you looking forward to in in on the, in the college game? Oof, that's I think this quarterback class coming up is a jumble. There's a lot of talent, but we don't really don't know. It's there's no Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields going into this year. No one's put that much on tape yet. So I think is Rattler could be, up there though? Spencer Rattler. Yeah, Spencer Rattler's QB one right now for us. I, I know people who have Sam Howell's quarterback one. People who think Malik McDowell is quarterback or not Malik McDowell. Malik Willis, Willis the Liberty yeah. quarterback, is QB one. People who have said you know called Boston College is Phil Jerkovich the the possible number one overall pick. Like there's a lot of guys who people are they've got kind of as nabbing as oh one? this is the this is the Zach Wilson yeah, of this year, this predicting is the Joe the... Burrow of this year. Who's going to make that leap? So there's a lot of talented guys just I know we say those guys don't always out. show up, but Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, Zach Wilson, it has been three straight years. Yeah. That we have seen that. Mm -hmm. If you're um if you're a team like the Eagles and you decided rightly or wrongly this year that beyond Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, you just didn't love the quarterbacks, right? You you weren't a mm -hmm. uh, Mac Jones guy, you weren't a Justin Fields guy, you weren't a Trey Lance guy. Once it became clear you didn't have a shot at the top two, you were out and on to next year yeah how crazy is that because obviously we have the evidence of this group how 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 nuts is it to say i don't like these three because the guys next year we think we do like i think you do have to at some point give an honest evaluation of a quarterback class if if you're saying these guys aren't franchise quarterbacks or we should set our sights higher where like his cap is you know teddy bridgewater something mm -hmm. like that where it's just like he can be a starter i don't think he can be that guy that wins us that takes us over the edge i don't think it's crazy now saying it's because there's a trevor lawrence in next year's class that's crazy to me or right. saying it's because there's xyz quarterback next year i don't think i should ever factor into your decision making because a lot of stuff can happen like a, a lot of guys can fall off or you can even play yourself out of position you can't necessarily control where you draft so i do think that that to me if looking ahead to next year's quarterback class to say that and especially with this upcoming quarterback class not being chock full of not not looking like lawrence or fields yeah you can't you more crazy you can't control where you draft but the eagles have done as good a job as you could of making sure that they're covered in in yeah. those terms you know mm -hmm. like particularly by handing the keys over to hertz you're almost ensuring that, right? It's like if Hertz isn't the guy, yeah. A, we'll suck, so we'll have a high draft pick ourselves, and B, we've got all these extra picks because of trading down to, to focus on next year anyway. So I, like, it's a fair point. You can't guarantee you're going to be picking number one, which is ultimately where you need to be picking if there's only you one really guy you that. love. Yeah. But the Eagles have done as good a job as you could do to like focus on the next year if you're bailing on this one. Uh, the run first quarterback raises your floor, though, man. I think it's, it's actually riskier. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking into that too much um the question we ask on this podcast all the time is just the quarterback landscape around the nfl what what i can't believe where we are where I, I do think there's there's more than 32 legitimate starters in the world guys that you that are capable nfl starters that includes yeah. cam newton who's a free agent i mm -hmm. think cam newton is top 32 in the world i always use that phrase so what is that the uh we've been using you might like this the uh the matt ryan inflection point mm -hmm. is what we've been using as saying he was he's like the cutoff that everybody uses for if you have matt ryan or better you're good and other yeah. people like to say ah oh, matt ryan's right on that cusp of you know elevated by julio and all that stuff what does the landscape look like because it's not 
you don't want to just find a starter anymore. You need to find something better yeah. than that because starters are easier to come by now. No, I agree. And it's why there's, there's probably only a few teams that are heading into 2021 being like, we don't have hope of anything good ever happening. It's probably got probably got the te- Texans, obviously. <laughs> maybe Detroit, maybe Philadelphia. Like, There's not a lot of teams that are really bereft of, hey, if you know, lightning in a bottle, we might you know make a run. Um, and Houston and... Detroit, first-year GMs. Yeah, they knew they were taking over a mess. Detroit mm-hmm. actively got rid of Matthew Stafford to rebuild. Yeah, and so that's okay. You know, that's accepted. Yeah. But there really are, um, there are more avenues to get quarterbacks than ever before. You can literally just go sign a Cam Newton. You can sign a former MVP for pennies. Like there, it exists. You can sign a Jameis Winston, who's now going to be a starter and guy who threw for five thousand yards. Like there is more talent, and I think it's going to continue to trend that way. Um, I mean, Jameis, in order to get a starting job, had to basically plan it a year out. Like, my only shot at starting is to wait as a backup here to be first in the queue to replace Drew Brees when he retires. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's, how, that's how tough yeah. it is to get a starting gig back if well, you don't have one. That's good for the Saints, though, too, because you got to groom him, still get him on yeah. the cheap relative. Um, just, you know, our, our guy, Ben Stockwell, the, uh, one of the smartest football minds in the world that nobody knows about and astute listener of the podcast was like, well, if you've got this Matt Ryan inflection point, then it's going to be even more important to get that guy above. But I just, I don't think it's as clear as it used to be as the thing. There used to be a clear top eight or 10 quarterbacks yeah. in the NFL. I don't think it's there anymore. I don't think it's as clear, but I do think the inflection point has to be tied to contracts because contracts at quarterback today are so um, the, the distribution is either all on the high end, all on the low end. There's so few guys. There's it's not an even spread right. throughout. You know, from ten from zero million dollars to uh, forty million dollars at the top end. It's a lot of guys making between thirty and forty, and then no guys until maybe like five to ten million. So if you don't have the Matt Ryan inflection point or above, you don't pay that guy. And I do agree that it's difficult to decide, but I think. I'd be hesitant to, if you do have a guy who is maybe a little up and down, a Baker Mayfield, to just say, he's good enough, $35 million a year, here, take that, we're going to run with you for the next XYZ years. Because you can find a guy who's maybe not Baker Mayfield, but 80% of Baker Mayfield, and you can use $30 million to get three quality starters elsewhere in your roster. The other the other thing, though, yeah, like contracts for, with quarterbacks is a mess because they're they're spreading out right now in, in a bunch of different ways. Like there's a, there's several different varieties of these contracts now. Mm-hmm. Teams are either trying to get just the maximum amount of length, right? How long can I tie this guy down for? Because that's the way it reduces the most money in any given cap year. But then you've also got players shooting for either the, the most guaranteed money or the most total money or the Kirk Cousins gig, right? Where it's like, well, okay, I'm not going to, tie down for long i just want three years fully guaranteed and we'll roll that way Mm -hmm. um but if you're a team one of the tricky parts of the the con the money the overall money thing is if you have a baker mayfield like a what are the chances that he's above the matt ryan inflection point generally and then b what are the chances he's going to be above it in any given year so and that's that whole draft class like baker mayfield is the one that's up in the air but that's the question with Josh Allen and with Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. It's like both those guys have shown already that they can be above the Matt Ryan inflection point in a given season. But next year and the year after that and the year after that, like how many of those are you going to get? Mm-hmm. Whereas with Aaron Rodgers, he's always going to be above it, right? Did 
did Dak deserve that much money then, knowing that? That one. Dak I, and Baker are very similar to me. Yeah. Because I, I feel like it – what are your thoughts? Peaked as rookies. I, I truthfully would not have, but that's – It's a scary world, though, when you go out there on your own. I would have – isn't I it? would have ventured the trademark. I, I feel like not enough people are taking advantage of what you can get back for a quarterback like that. Like you can get probably two to three first for a Dak Prescott, even like prior to last season. I think you could have, and that's. I'm, and then, but then you say that's a complete re- like where the Browns are. The Browns didn't even draft that well over the past three or four years, but because they acquired so much capital. They're in the best situation, like one of the best situations roster building wise in the NFL. And that, that if a hitting a reset isn't the worst thing in the world, especially when you have as much just cap space outlaid as the Cowboys do, you're kind of just going to be up against it with that DAC contract, the whole life of the DAC contract. It part of the, like, it's so difficult for teams though, who have to like try and be sure. Yeah. Cause the, you, you want to wait as long as humanly possible to be sure. And then every time, like every step along the way costs you more money. So this was the case with Washington with Kirk Cousins where it cost them an absolute ton to decide that it wasn't worth yeah. paying him money. Whereas And Cowboys, it's a similar. It's cost them so much relative to just getting the, done, the deal done early to make sure that Dak wouldn't go the way of Carson Wentz or Jared mm-hmm. Goff. So are there teams that should legitimately not pay? Like you're, you're, you're buying lottery tickets for the top quarterback, but – they should spend all their resources building that Browns-like roster, make everything just the perfect situation for the quarterback, and then be okay with the revolving door. So the Browns' world could be: you bring in a Marcus Mariota one year, yeah. You draft Sam Howell late in the first because maybe he's not a top end of the first, and you just roll with those guys. It feels risky. Well, it's kind of what the Bucks did, where it's like you build all that, and it's kind of where the Broncos are at right now too. You build all that. You might, get, on, you might get Aaron Rodgers. Then pounce you know, on the Hall get, of Famers. You get an Aaron Rodgers. You get a Tom yeah. Brady. You get well, someone who's leaving elsewhere. All of a sudden, you are. Well, this is golden. Washington, right? Yeah, Washington, Washington. They've taken a one-year Fitzpatrick. It's like, mm-hmm. well, he's he's as good as we're going to get this year. But like, they're another team that's positioned where, you know, if Washington goes back to the playoffs this year and Rodgers does force his way out, they're in the conversation with Denver, right? As, yeah. as a as a championship caliber team waiting for an Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. to come and push and, them I mean, over the edge. There's going to be a quarterback available next year too. Like Deshaun Watson's going to be available next year. So that's the other strategy, right? Is build up all your draft capital. Yeah. Um, not necessarily to take a guy, maybe to take a guy, then but it. to just be ready for when Watson yeah. and Russ and Aaron Rodgers are all potentially available. It is, you know, we love, we love team building talk here. So mm-hmm. it's always, it's always a fun discussion. Mike, tell everybody about the rebrand again and what, to expect on tailgate this season for football season. Yeah, we'll be covering NFL, draft, prospects, college football, all of it um, three times a week on tailgate. And we'll be heading to a bunch of pretty much every major program in the Midwest here we're going to hit. We're going to hit Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Notre Dame, Kentucky, a major program. Yeah. The ones uh, that are like within four hours. Yeah, the ones that are close here. to Cincinnati. Is Cincinnati is a good location for yeah. – uh, for your little tailgate hit, yeah. tour here. So that'll be fun. That'll come be say, fun. Come say hi. Go check you and Austin cities. out. You're doing yeah. some like social media stuff. You know, I saw yep. you guys catching passes and yeah, we'll be touring facilities at Illinois. Yeah. That's fun. You're gonna, you're gonna I was tell throwing, your tails I was on the throwing, tailgate. I could not. They had like the super brand new balls that were slick, and I just could not throw to save my life with those things. You just got you gotta rub them up the I right know, way. I need to rub it up. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> take a little air out maybe just to 
get a better grip. Whatever you got to do. Whatever you got to do. Anyway, thanks to Mike. Go check him out with Austin Gale over at uh, Tailgate, formerly Two for One. Uh, Again, it's our Wednesday show. Little peek into the rest of PFF. Appreciate having Mike on here. We'll be back again tomorrow with uh, just Sam and I with uh, more cut day analysis and the rest of the NFL news. And once again, PFF.com. Kickoff 30, 30% off any PFF subscription. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow.